Hello everyone, and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we've been working our way through the book of Exodus, which has revealed a surprising portrait of God as the very embodiment of mimetic rivalry. As we've seen, the Lord fuels the Exodus conflict, inspiring Moses and Pharaoh to engage one another in a bitter rivalry. We'll see this portrait continue in our study of Exodus chapter 15. But for now, let's take a moment to discuss and process this portrait of God. Most mimetic practitioners view God as immune to mimetic rivalry. He hovers above mimetic rivalry. Mimetic rivalry is something that people and humans engage in. It's part of the human condition, but it's not generally imagined as part of God's nature. We saw this idea in John's Gospel as Jesus incarnates God's wisdom by resisting the temptation to engage in mimetic rivalry with others. So how do we reconcile this idea with the Exodus portrait of the Lord as the very embodiment of mimetic rivalry? Are we supposed to see God as above and resisting mimetic rivalry? Or are we supposed to see God as susceptible to it and it's an essential part of his nature, which makes it not just human, but also a divine attribute? I think the concept of the primitive sacred helps marry these two ideas together. Mimetic theorists believe that the concept of the primitive sacred evolves out of the scapegoat mechanism. As the community undergoing a mimetic crisis vent their mimetic rivalries upon a common scapegoat, the crisis resolves and the community experience a newfound peace and order. The community then attribute this catharsis to the scapegoat who they just killed. Although in life, the community view this person as the very personification of evil, a monster, a degenerate. In death, the scapegoat brings blessing and peace upon the community. According to Girard, the community begin to worship their deceased scapegoat as a god who has both power to bless and to curse from beyond the grave. Through this process, a belief in the primitive sacred is born. We see this idea of the primitive sacred influencing the Exodus portrait of the Lord as a warrior god who visits violence upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians to liberate his people and grant them peace. Let's read on from Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider have been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. This is my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he has cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury 
and it consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood in a heap, the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead into the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people who you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have ceased the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Eden dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This hymn of praise celebrates the Lord's victory over the Egyptians, whose demise prompts them to pursue after the Israelites and engage them in warfare. Inspired by the Lord of mimetic rivalry, the Israelites violently resist Pharaoh's attempts to enslave them once again. Although in the previous chapter, the people of Israel complained to Moses, complaining they would rather have remained enslaved to Pharaoh, they now fight for their freedom. It would seem the Israelites are now imitating Pharaoh's desire as they engage in rivalry with him over the coveted object of their own freedom. The Lord of mimetic rivalry inspires the Israelites' change of heart and transforms them into fierce warriors who secure their freedom by defeating Pharaoh and his army. For this reason, the text describes the Lord as a man of war. In other words, this passage frames God as embodying the spirit of a bloodthirsty warrior. Again, the battle is portrayed by the imagery of a flood which drowns Pharaoh and his army while allowing the Israelites to walk safely upon dry ground. We are also told that the earth swallowed the Egyptians, which is another way of saying they descended into the realm of the dead. The Lord, the God of mimetic rivalry, has inspired the Israelite people and led them to a great victory over Pharaoh and his army. By destroying Israel's enemy, the Lord fulfills the role 
of the primitive sacred. Notice also that the idea of holiness and sacredness, uh, God's sanctuary is tied up with his identity as a warrior God. This is also the idea of the primitive sacred, that holiness which is embodied by the spirit of this violent warrior God. We are told that Miriam and all the women danced and joined in the hymn of praise to their warrior God. This is quite significant because throughout the book of Exodus, men have engaged in mimetic rivalry with one another, while the women have opposed and seem even immune to mimetic violence. The Hebrew midwives resisted Pharaoh's violent decree. Miriam and Pharaoh's daughter collude to rescue Moses from mimetic violence, and Zipporah rescues Moses from male-perpetrated violence by performing an impromptu circumcision in Exodus chapter 4. Yet in this passage, the women take up their tambourines and sing praises to the warrior god of mimetic rivalry, along with the rest of their community, even though they resisted mimetic rivalry throughout the Exodus narrative. The women now embrace and celebrate the spoils of mimetic violence. Perhaps the Israelite women will become more susceptible to mimetic rivalry as the narrative progresses. We will just have to watch this space. Reading on now from verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. The people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and he tested them there saying, If you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam. There were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Having embraced and celebrated their newfound freedom, secured through mimetic violence, the people follow Moses into the wilderness. In their travels, they reach a place in which the water is described as Mara, often translated as bitter. Elsewhere in scripture, the term Mara describes an intense sadness and distress linked to mourning. For example, the term Mara describes Esau's cry of distress after losing his birthright. Ruth describes herself as Mara after the deaths of her husband and her sons, and Hannah is described as Mara as she mourns for the child she cannot have. Somehow, the water of Mara brings the Israelites into a state of mourning and distress. Perhaps having celebrated the spoils of war, they are now mourning the lack of fulfillment they expected their freedom would bring them. The Israelites believed that once they were finally free from Pharaoh's rule, they would be happy and complete. At first, they celebrated their great victory, but now, as the dust settles, 
they pause for a drink of refreshing water and realize that their newfound freedom has not brought them the peace and fulfillment it promised. In anguish, the Israelites cry out to Moses, who originally sold them this vision of freedom and prosperity. Moses places a log, literally a tree, in the water, and somehow this log transforms the Israelites' experience from mourning to sweetness. In the Jewish tradition, there's an allegorical reading of this event which interprets the water as God's law and the tree as the tree of life or God's wisdom. I think equating the tree to God's wisdom resonates well with the biblical image of wisdom as a life-giving tree presented in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18. We encountered this tree of divine wisdom back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. There it was called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This tree, if someone ate of it, it would open their eyes and they would understand good, evil, and everything in between. So it's a tree of wisdom. And when Adam and Eve eat of this tree, they realize their own nakedness. They realize that they've been naked all along, but they just couldn't see it before. But now all of a sudden, this tree of wisdom has given them a new way of seeing things. In a similar manner, Moses' tree opens the eyes of the Israelites so that they may see the destruction of their violence and mimetic rivalry. Before, all they could see was the spoils of war which they had won. But now, this time to pause, this time to reflect, opens their eyes to the destruction their violence has generated. With this revelation, the Israelites experience the water of Mara as bitter. It brings them distress and mourning as they contemplate the results and the consequences of their actions. This insight empowers the Israelites to lay aside their mimetic rivalries and pursue peace and order with one another. To avoid the bloodshed and destruction of another mimetic crisis, the Israelites must follow the Lord's commands and statutes. Recall that in Egypt, Pharaoh forsook his gods and then forbid the Israelite people from sacrificing to their god. By prohibiting the release valve of ritual and sacrifice, mimetic rivalry was allowed to flourish in Egypt, ultimately giving way to a full-blown mimetic crisis. We saw this crisis graphically portrayed in the plagues and diseases which the Lord brought upon the Egyptians. Now the Lord warns the people of Israel that to avoid future mimetic crises, they must follow the Mosaic laws and commandments. These laws control and inhibit mimetic rivalry over certain commonly coveted objects such as spouses, and sacrifice provides a channel to alleviate mimetic rivalry within the community. To avoid a mimetic crisis like the one depicted by the plagues in Egypt, the Israelites must hold fast to the Lord's commands and statutes. In this passage, we see another glimpse of the primitive sacred as the Lord of mimetic rivalry, the destroyer of Egypt, refers to himself as Israel's healer. 
Healing and destruction are two sides of the primitive sacred coin. Through Egypt's destruction, the Israelites enjoy healing and prosperity, symbolized by the 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees by which Israel encamp. What do we make of all this? Often we are tempted to emphasize the healing side of God's nature while downplaying God's violence. We often think of mimetic violence as bad as we work towards eradicating it from our lives. But we also need to acknowledge the role of mimetic rivalry in our origin story. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Exodus narrative is referenced as the defining moment in Israel's history. Israel's exilic prophets would employ Exodus imagery to foretell their liberation from Babylon. In the book of Revelation, we saw this same imagery employed to describe the Christian church's liberation from their Roman oppressors. At the end of the day, the Exodus narrative presents a God who cares for the outcast. This God fights for the freedom and liberation of all who are poor and oppressed. This God is prepared to challenge and tear down the social structures of oppression to provide justice for those who need it most. Because here's the thing. We need this spirit of fervent desire and passion to impact social change. If we renounce all forms of mimetic rivalry and desire, we accept the plight of the poor and oppressed, allowing them to wallow in their own misery. If the Lord of mimetic rivalry had not kindled Moses' desire, then Israel would never have been liberated from Pharaoh's rule. To bring about positive change in our world, we need the God of mimetic rivalry to inspire our passion for peace and justice. Thanks again for joining me on the Medic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Mimetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.